Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet. No GPS. No text messages. No podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined tonight by Aaron North, Craig, Richard, and Richard Friend Afan. How you doing everybody? Hey, hey. hey Great. Doing good. And Jim will join us a little bit later to share some of his favorite turtle soup recipes. Or is that tortoise soup recipes? I can never remember. Jim Savory Soups, JSS. There you go. <laughs> there we go. He beat me to it. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yes, we're, we're here to talk about the episode of The Walking Dead, Season 6, Episode 2, JSS. And we'll get into exactly what JSS means later on. Uh, but just general thoughts on the episode, gentlemen. What did you think of this one? It was kind of kind of a quiet, like down-to-earth, quiet character-building episode, right? I love this, the delicate nuance going on. Uh, I love this episode. I think it's terrific. Absolutely terrific. I think that this is probably my favorite episode of the series. If not, it's got to be close to the top. But, I mean, when Carol's looking out that window and she's getting all hoity-toity about the lady smoking, and I'm sitting here thinking, she's going to go out there and shoot that bitch or something, and all of a sudden, machete! I was like, all right, buckle up. We're going full zombie here and the 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 wolves i'm just i'm excited that we finally got to see them so great episode well all i've got to say is i've got my morley menthol in my hand i'm lighting it up (laughs) right now taking a puff and enjoying it because this was an excellent excellent show i don't know if it's the best but it's definitely up there i'll i'm gonna stew on that one while we talk about it and get to the end it may it may make its way to the best of my mind it, it when might, we're done talking about it it might be the best walking dead episode i've seen this year i could put i could probably say that i feel i feel pretty confident in saying that my question is how fast can morgan run yeah yeah he, he apparently got there very quickly dude's a jedi he can sprint yeah. fast <laughs> The, the force is strong with that one. <laughs> Let's head into our main episode discussion. So, of course, this was episode 602, JSS. It was Jizz. written by Seth Hoffman and uh, directed by Jennifer Lynch, who directed... Uh, we looked it up before we started recording. I can't remember the name of it, but the episode last year w- where Noah died. So she's good with the, uh, with the big action episodes. And we have a, a ton of guest actors. I don't have a specific list for this episode, but we had a whole bunch of guest actors, including uh, introducing Major Dodson as same Sam Anderson. But I'm not going to go through the rest of them because uh, Merritt Weaver yeah, came I, in. I as, right Merritt Weaver came in as Doctor Denise. Oh yes, yeah, she was a she yeah. was a new new recruit. Although I could have sworn she was in last season as the person who took the guns, but I guess that's just another that's a, that's another person because they they cast her over the summer. I mean, she wasn't involved. The one that took the guns was the one that mans the commissary. I think wasn't that the girl? Oh, the lady who was hiding in, the, hiding uh, in the closet. closet. Yeah, 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 you're right. 
So this episode starts with a flashback showing us the origin of Enid. Uh, she's with her parents as her parents are trying to hotwire a minivan, and she's keeping watch. Uh, her parents aren't really paying attention to what she's saying. Typical parents. As a couple zombies come around the corner, and she's warning them, and yeah, yeah, we're almost done. We're almost got it. We almost got it. We don't need the headlights. We just need to get the engine working. When two other zombies come from the other direction and uh, kill both of her parents, next thing we see is her sitting in the van by herself. Everything's covered in blood, uh, and uh, we follow her through her journey to Alexandria as she starts using this this uh, three-letter phrase JSS. She writes it in the dust on windows. She writes it in turtle bones after she eats a turtle or a tortoise, whatever, and she writes it on her own hand as she uh, in the kind of mud as she walks into Alexandria. We won't find out what it means until the end of the episode, but it's a very solid, mostly wordless uh, performance from uh, uh, Caitlin Nakin um, in the beginning of this episode. Two things. I can't wait for WTV, DTV podcast listeners to write in angry purports on if it's a tortoise or a turtle. And <laughs> I think that from that, I think this whole opening is amazing. And that that immediate cut right away from her screaming that there's two walkers to her looking at her, you know, at the walkers eating her parents is one of the best like transitions I've ever seen on this show. Oh yeah, like just that, no, I agree. that, that yeah. just that yeah. that straight edit right into that next shot is fantastic. And there was another edit too after. That edit where he, she goes to kill the walker in another car, and you don't see that kill. And you see her in the car at the next scene. It's yeah, like they, the, the repeated use of that editing scheme for this whole opening cold open, repeated words, uh, is just really good. Yeah, because they use it for the turtle as well. Um, when she, I think when it's she a tortoise, that. but we'll, we'll settle it, whatever you guys want to call <laughs> and it. And it's a, it's a great shot of her eating the animal as, you know, it looks, and they, they even said on Talking Dead they did this on purpose, but they make her look as much of a walker as possible in the way the shot is framed and the way she is positioned as she's eating the animal to, to really give you that, that impression. And it's, it's a really good, um, Really good shot. Also, it gives us the origin of her jacket she was wearing last season and this season. Not that that's particularly important, but I do like the continuity. And then also, uh, my only one real complaint about this opening is that uh, Caitlin Nakin is noticeably older than last season. And so seeing her in this flashback was a little bit odd, but it was such a good flashback that I'll, you know, I can't. Your your nitpick is that they couldn't time travel? (laughs) Well, my, my nitpick is only that, like, if it was Carl, Carl is, he's, you know, he's aging, but. She has aged noticeably in the last year. Yeah, but look, Carl has gone from 10-ish, 11 years old to 15 years old, but only about two years have passed in the show, to the point that, like Gimple and them said last week, uh, you know, they don't really even think about it anymore. So you kind of have to suspend disbelief a little bit, or else we're going to have the, you know, they have to recast it every six months or something so that they say the same age. Yeah. They could they could give her magical powers and write her out of the episode completely. Oh wait, that's lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they brought him back in the new man in charge. But that's a another story. I'm pretty sure eating that tortoise would give you salmonella, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so now joined by Jim Dietz. How you doing, Jim? Great. Did you guys save me any turtle? Oh, we were hoping you would provide us with some turtle soup recipes since Or tortoise soup. Yes. Or tortoise soup. Tortoise some soup, animal yes. soup. Some animal soup. Some Reptile shelled animal soup. soup. I just thought we are going to have it sashimi style, like Enid did. <laughs> Jim, you have to make a Walking Dead cookbook. I mean, between the tortoise soup and Carol's casseroles, Terminus barbecue, cola canned hams. I mean, we, we, we've got literally a, a cookbook going. Will you 
Will you help us with that, Jim? You are the resident chef We're here. We're sitting on a gold mine. Yeah, I, I could. I just, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how she's going to make cream of celery soup taste any good. We can less <laughs> celeryness with paprika. Uh, you need more than paprika to cut that. Uh, but we could make like a real sexy calendar too. All of us could take pictures with the food. Yeah, oh, that'd, be, that'd be hilarious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the WDTV calendar. Yes. Right in if you want to see a WDTV calendar. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have dibs on Miss December. And please, write, Box. please write in. Please write in and say no. God no. <laughs> <laughs> so after the cold open, we head into the episode pr- uh, proper. We have a, a variety of different scenes before things start to really kick off. But we have uh, a scene between Ron and Jesse. Jesse wants to give him a haircut. He doesn't want to do it. They have an argument over whether Rick can be trusted. She trusts him. He doesn't because he killed his dad. Unsurprising. I know some people didn't like the scene. I even re- went back and rewatched it just to double check. I had no problem with the acting, but I know whenever there's a petulant teenager, immediately there will be nonstop calls of bad acting. So let's hear it. I don't think it was bad acting. I just... I. I didn't really just like the scene itself, but that's just me. Like that could have been a deleted scene easily on the on the cutting room floor yeah. of this episode. I mean, but you I did miss over the one where Sam was sitting on the steps. I mean, just to go back a second, um, Major and Dodson. Carol's walking into the house. Which, yeah, which is a fantastic. Well, I mean, there's a lot of Carol stuff we missed in this whole scene. Carol in the pantry, like doing that passive aggressive stuff to give a woman to smoke outside. Mrs. Niedermeyer with the. Morley menthols and the pasta makers. She just tells that little kid, "Hey, your dad's dead. Just move on." Yeah, it's it's which is like a nice, but like like she's already like threatened a child for like seeing yes. her take the guns, and now she's like, "By the way, your dad died. Just keep that in mind." And Get this, over this it. This kid keeps coming back for more. It's like he keeps coming back to her. Yeah. He's he's bonded with. He's her. a glutton for punishment. I just gotta say, I really I really enjoyed this episode a lot because it focused on my two favorite characters in the whole show, uh, Morgan and Carol. I thought you were gonna say Major Dodson and Carol. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not as enamored as Major Dodson as you guys. But uh... now, had we met Mrs. Niedermeyer before? I know we had obviously heard her name, but had we seen her on the show? No, she's remember. been discussed, but she's never been introduced she may have until been at the party. I don't. Re- I just remember her from the comic. Oh, was she in the comic? I don't even remember. The whole thing with the pasta maker was in the comic. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. That that's. Uh... Uh, with 150 issues behind us, like certain discussions of pasta makers will slip my memory, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Mrs. Niedermeyer sounds like a character that's been in every like suburban TV show for the past 25 years, so I don't know. 50 <laughs> yes, years, ca- even. Yeah. Carol very passively, aggressively tells her she needs to quit smoking because it'll kill her, and there's already enough things out there that trying to kill you, and uh, of course that will come back later. You mentioned this, I mean, the scene with Ron and, and Jesse. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't mind this scene just because it's fine like it's an annoying kid i'm not, I'm not gonna fault the acting for that he does a good job playing an annoying kid but i do think it it works well it, you could delete it maybe but i think it works well for later on when you know you revisit these two characters in the same room again and this time you're seeing the you know jesse vent um to say the least when we get back to that scene let, let off a little blood steam yeah. kid doesn't get what's have been happening outside this is their first introduction to people having to kill other people and being attacked by zombies they've been living behind the wall and all of a sudden his dad is dead by these people that show up and, and i think honestly the 
the importance of the scene will largely depend. Yes, it depends on the payoff scene later, Aaron, I agree with you, but it's going to depend largely on what they do or don't do with Ron's character in the rest of the season. Oh, for sure. Like if they bring him somewhere interesting, interesting, this scene will probably be very important. If they don't do anything with him, then yes, it's pretty much wasted aside from the payoff. I mean, right at the end of this episode, right, right now, I, I really only see Ron as either a body or a potential person to mess up a plan in some way in the future. Like I see him. Well, as, yeah, I see you better him. watch out because the Grimes will kill you and steal your girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Carl is in position to do that in, in an oh, you odd saw, way. You saw that look of. he was given. You, you saw what he was doing. <laughs> you saw the wheels turning in his little sociopathic mind. That was the Shane the Shane Walsh look right there. Exactly. exactly. He's ready to move in. Shane style. That baby kind of looks like Shane, too. <laughs> we see Ron and Enid hug off in the distance, and Carl sees them. This is after uh, everyone's least favorite character, Father Gabriel, comes over and kind of apologizes, kind of just takes up screen time uh, to Carl and asks Carl to train him with weapons, and Carl eventually agrees to do so, um, unfortunately, because really the character just needs to die. But then he sees he sees Ron and Enid hug, and he doesn't seem particularly happy about it, but we'll get, get back to that later. So we meet uh, our doctor, or a new doctor, I should say, now that Pete is dead, and that is Denise. Uh, this is a character from the books. We've heard her mentioned, I believe, previously in the show, but this is her first time actually appearing. What did you think of the character, the the portrayal? I think it's solid. I think it does a, a good job presenting this type of character who's, you know, not in over her head because she's not really known to do certain things, and then she's suddenly, like, forced into... Uh into a terrible situation, but I, I, I like Mara Weaver. I think she's a good actress, so it's like, all right, well, we've added her to the cast, so there you go. And if I recall correctly, she won an Emmy for her role in Nurse Jackie. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. So, Emmy winner on the show. If we could talk about for a second the scene with Maggie and Deanna. Yeah. I just go. I just want to read my notes if I can. I put Farmer's Daughter Maggie is back, hubba hubba. <laughs> uh, sore backs and tired feet and seeds. So that that's what I wrote, and I'm just going to leave it at that. She does. She does look noticeably different from last season. I think it's the haircut, but yes, it, it looks much better than the end of last season, where something weird was going on with her hair. It was just nice hearing her talking about farming again. I don't know. Just it was good. Good to see Maggie back. So then we have a scene that I particularly like. It, you know, it's it's really good on on first viewing. But I went back and rewatched the episode again last night because I liked it so much. Uh, spoilers for my my thoughts on the episode. Um, but the scene works even better the second time uh, for a reason that I guess I'll spoil now. But so we have the scene of Carol. She's putting together a casserole because that's what Carol does in uh, in Alexandria. And she's watching uh, on the little video baby monitor Judith upstairs. Um, and then she, she puts the casserole in. She sets the timer for 45 minutes. She looks out the window and sees Mrs. Niedermeyer smoking. And uh, she gets kind of a, a bemused but annoyed look on her face um, when the camera <laughs> catches uh, one of the wolves come in from out of frame and just crack Mrs. Niedermeyer's head open with a machete and then hack her to death. It shouldn't be funny, but somehow it's such a, like... like the, she the, gave her shit about smoking in her Yeah, saying, saying smoking will kill you, like, literally led to this person's death. Like, which is... <laughs> the scene is amazing for all those reasons, but what I really, really like about it later is at the end of the episode, we get a payoff. But it's not the payoff that you think, or that I should, I should say, that I thought they were setting up in the episode. When, when the scene first happened, before Machete Wolf comes out of the, the shadows and kills Mrs. Niedermeyer, I'm, I'm watching this scene and thinking, okay, they just set up that there's a video uh, baby monitor to Judith's room, which means that is going to come back in some way in this episode. It's Chekhov's baby monitor here. 
but that was a complete misdirect to make it all about the timer, which will pay off as a glorious joke at the end of the episode. Um, I, I really liked it, and I think that they could still bring back that baby monitor in some way of importance during the rest of the season, but I, I really did like the misdirect, or maybe I just read too much into it, but I, I still liked that setup payoff. I mean, I wouldn't say that you're reading too much into it, I just, I, I'd say, I don't know if I need to put that much emphasis on it as at this point, but it's more like, hey, if that happens again, that's cool. But I do like, I do, I hear you on the casserole thing, the timer, I thought though, watching it, because I also watched it a couple times, watching, you know, you the... Or, the, you know, the early on in this episode, you see a setup of the timer and the casserole. In the end of this episode, there's a kind of like, oh, okay, now it's now it's finished. And the, there's a... I just, I, just, I just love the way that one scene just, like, changes everything. The entire tone of the show, the pace of the show, the, the tension, everything. I mean, that's one scene, just everything changes. And uh, I really like that about it a lot. Yeah, and they even mentioned it was real-time. That this was actually a real-time type of... Um... Uh, episode almost where the timer was set for was it 50 minutes or 45, 45 minutes? minutes and at that point there's 45 minutes left the episode now granted there's commercials so they have to fudge it a little bit right but it's, but it's more, like you're saying more or less in real time for the rest of the episode yeah and i think i know i hear what you're saying about the baby monitor but if, i think they frame that where the timer is really the center of that shot and that's the bookend the beginning and then the end the timer and it's a glorious joke there at the end. Which I don't know if it really counts as joke, but it, it bookends certainly. It's just more of like the, it's like great. it's a the it sets the timer and like it's a this kind of the tone changes all of a sudden. Then the timer ends. It's like all right, back to business as usual, making the casserole. Your whole world can change in the time it takes to bake a tuna tuna helper. Now that baby <laughs> monitor gets me thinking, though. Unless we've seen some sort of video setup, why don't they? If they're able to go out and find and 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 run that technology. Why haven't they set up perimeter cameras or monitors? A or... baby camera thing like that is usually pretty sl- uh, sm- small on the um, yeah. the broadcast perimeter. Like, it's like maybe 30, 100 feet or something like that. Yeah, it has a range of maybe a house. Range, that's the word I'm looking and the, for. Uh, the, the camera is not very wide angle at all. I'm right, but I'm just saying. It's also a matter of electricity, but, 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 too. Right, it takes a lot less electricity than a whole close. Well, yeah. You can't set up a But I, I wasn't hub. talking about another baby, like a bunch of baby monitors, but I'm sure that there's a Best Buy out there they can go get, you know, some digital cameras. But I have to imagine there's like a central generator that they're taking energy from and they can't like have a whole command center well, set up. Then they get the solar panels. I thought they have oh, a solar, big... Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. big yeah but the solar array is only going to produce so much power. I, when, yeah. Uh, Noah died. yeah, well, Victor Strand found a way around that, so maybe they can too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they knew that Strand solar technology. What follows is 45 minutes of awesomeness, but it's a bunch of chaos, very well shot, very well organized chaos. But so if I miss something, please let me know. But so we have a variety of things happening. Um, Carol runs out. She's sneaking around. So and so not to be attacked by the wolves. And they're, they're everywhere. There's wolves everywhere. with Weapons. They don't have any guns, but they have cleavers and axes and knives. Uh, she sees another lady whose name I forget get stabbed by one of the wolves. She takes out the wolf. She puts the, the Alexandrian out of her misery. And then she dresses up in the wolves clothing and paints a W in blood on her forehead so she can blend in with uh, the groups, which pays off later when she comes in and saves someone from off camera and you think it's a wolf at first or you don't know exactly who it is. I know Aaron and I immediately went to the same character who has not appeared yet in the show, so we won't spoil the name, but I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're introducing X character already. So that was very cool, but it was actually Carol. 
Morgan goes Jedi on tons of guys, but refuses to kill them. <laughs> we're jumping. Um, we're jumping a bit ahead because there's also the the uh, Spencer in the in the tower. He's trying to snipe. Right. He's doing a. Ter- oh, we got tons of stuff. He's, he's doing a terrible job at sniping people, and that's when the truck runs into the into the wall, and that's where the horn gets started. And that's right. That was like the big thing, you know, finding out. Like, I mean, all last week we all speculated that someone had, you know, intentionally done that horn. You know, to mess with Rick's plan or whatever, but now we find out the, the real story. I, I wasn't. So it was who more was driving less the truck, though. I, I, there, I, who, there was, I don't know who. There was a wolf in there, and I assume he just jumped that out. That guy couldn't have changed. No, I, that quickly. Yeah, I assume he just jumped out of the truck, or if they, or if maybe he had a walker in there the whole time just to make it more difficult to. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. that walker was not a fresh <laughs> oh, no. dead yeah, walker. No. If, uh, given given the wolves penchant for you know setting traps and stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if they you know he drove the truck in there intending to set that off. And have a walker like in there already, just so when they try to turn it off, it you know uh, okay. mess around with them. Oh, I yeah. I, I bet you yeah. that truck is full of walkers that they just haven't come out yet. Yeah, maybe. Sort of like what the governor did in season three or four or whenever like season he three. That, oh, that I truck. thought it was more of their group just showing up out the back of that truck. I feel like that whole. Uh, I feel like we would have seen a shot of people running out the back if if that's what they were trying to imply. I'm just saying, from the moment of the first attack to when we get into the middle of after this it's just there's so many of the wolves around so um, they had to co- running around in the background of every shot yeah yes, so i, I thought they came from that truck well the truck was like kind of far off in the distance before he like finally got there while there was already wolves attacking everybody because spencer was doing a terrible job of like looking at everybody and saying i'm not gonna shoot this guy because i suck like that seemed to be his job <laughs> well i'm gonna shoot at him i'm just not gonna hit him i mean it began with the Molotov cocktail on Richard, right? The guy at the top of the wall, and that, that's where it began oh, that, at that point. They went through that CG blob at him? Yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah, where's, where's Andrea when you need her? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> really? <laughs> I, uh, for the record, I wasn't on last week's episode, but I knew from the start, I was like, this is wolves. This can't be anything but wolves that blare a giant horn. I, I don't care how dickish Ron or Father, Father Gabriel are. This is going to be the wolves. And sure enough. Well, I don't know if you heard us, but we were speculating about that. It could be Ron. It could, yeah, it could be Gabriel. We, you know, we didn't know. Oh, I listen to you guys. I know what's going okay. on. <laughs> But yeah, that's what. So we, yeah, with the the tower gets crashed into. And that's where that's when Morgan gets into game. Like he suddenly runs out of nowhere, and kills this at the walker, and suddenly Morgan's on the field too. Yes, apparently he ran from last week's episode into this week's episode, making record time. Um, although again, because of that, the way that last episode ended, we don't know exactly how far everyone was from Alexandria that he was able to make it there in time. But arguably, it's less than a half an hour's run. Or more than a half an hour's run because no one else has made it there yet from last week's episode by the end of this episode. Well, of course, it it might be revealed later that Morgan is part elf (laughs) or something, so... I mean, but to be fair, Jordan, I mean, we established that the timer sets this episode in real time, so... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, so... We've got about half an hour from the point that Morgan shows up to the end of the episode. He obviously ran into some old, like, Chinese master... Kung Fu expert. Cheesemaker. Cheesemaker. Yeah, Cheesemaker. Jumping around a bit, but the Cheesemaker comment, was was that about him tying the hands up, or was that him about the bow staff? The bow staff. It was about the bow staff. See, I took it as a joke. Like, that was a Morgan joke, because the father leaned over and says, where'd you learn how to do that? And meanwhile, he's wrapping up the guy's wrists, like you're tying a block of cheese. Oh, maybe. I I thought he was making a little little joke there, saying, oh, I learned that from a Cheesemaker. Had to tie his hands up like that. I thought it was if just. If that's what uh, he was going for, then that definitely falls under the definition "little joke." I, I think. Okay. I, yeah, because <laughs> I didn't get that either. I thought it was just deadpanning that he literally learned it from a cheesemaker how to fight, and that is just kind of ironic that of all people to teach him how to, you know, be a Jedi, it was a cheesemaker. 
Well, we'll find out, I guess. I just, I just, the way it was shot, it looked like there was something about the twine, the way he was winding the guy's wrists together. The I guess it's possible. Well, since, I mean, since Playboy's not doing nude pictures anymore, we, we can get more Walking Dead stories like the Michonne one. So we'll sure we'll get the Morgan Chronicles. The Morgan oh, Chronicles. like, that, that's right. They did do that flash. Yeah, was, that was a deep cut reference that I was going for. That was a long time ago now. <laughs> you know, somewhere along here, too, another noteworthy scene where, um, Jesse's trying to leave the house and find Ron once the wolves start coming through. And Sam's like, no, no, please stay and protect me. I want to nominate Jesse for this episode, this week's Lori Grimes Memorial, Memorial Mother of the Year Award for Jesse for trying to leave her nine year old son, Sam, behind in a house when there's strangers running around the town. You're, you are oversimplifying things. She tells him to go upstairs into his closet that has a deadbolt that they've already practiced this, presumably for his dad, Pete. Mm-hmm. Go up in the closet, be quiet, deadbolt it. Don't come out till I find you. And then when someone starts breaking into the house, she comes with him. I, I feel like that's a pretty solid plan. I think in the in the moment of stress like that, I think that's as bad as solid as you can do. I also like that they didn't run to the closet. They they slowly walked so they wouldn't make noise. Yes. Oh my god. That thanks. No good. Yeah. Good tension building there. I just felt like she's trying to leave her. I mean, the teenage son can almost take care of himself, maybe more than a nine year old could. That's all I was thinking. Have you seen Ron? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't want a haircut. Major Dodson stood up to Carol on multiple occasions. Can we can we talk about how Rod was freaking out about a haircut? By the way, <laughs> like he was like, "No, no haircuts. I don't, I don't want a haircut? You just want to talk to me? I don't want a haircut." Yeah. By the way, Carl needs a haircut. <laughs> he yes. does. He does. Yes, he does. Not... Him and Daryl go to the same barber. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who's dead? You know the thing. The thing about Major Dodson, though, with that character we talked about earlier, how he's bonded to Carol. I mean, think about it. His entire life has been hiding or not talking about things, yeah. or people keep, keep just being secret. fake and keep secrets. Here's Carol, who's just straight on. Your dad's dead. Deal with it. Or you know, whatever the case may be, she's straight up with him, and I think that's also why he's leaning more towards you know hanging around her than his own mother. Well, don't forget, they're both like victims of abuse, too, Ron and Carol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's something yeah. that Carol sees in Ron yeah. that's trying to help him through that, you know, the way she came out the other side of that. Um, yeah. Well, it's most interesting to me, and like one of the most interesting dynamics in the whole episode for me, were, were in these scenes that you're talking about uh, when Morgan and Carol uh, meet on the street. And, you know, Morgan is trying to avoid killing this guy, and Carol just comes up and, and whacks him. I yeah. mean, you have this this whole dichotomy of Morgan who's trying really hard to save all these people's lives, even though they're reprehensible and they're going around slaughtering everyone. And then Carol, who is just to the point where, hey, they're coming after me and mine, they're dead. You know, and they, they, they're both characters with depth. They both, you know, come through a lot and come out the other side as, you know, entirely different characters. You know, I, watched, I rewatched Clear not too long ago, and the Morgan in Clear and the Morgan here are two different characters in a lot of ways. Um, and Carol, too, I mean, has changed so much. And to see the two of them kind of, like, come at, at, not at each other, but, like, helping each other, but with these different philosophies of how, was was really interesting to me. I mean, to, to see them, you know, working off of each other and kind of contrasting each other. I mean, Morgan, I mean, that one point later on in the episode where he goes up against five wolves and he doesn't kill any of them, you know. Whereas Carol is, like, a slaughter machine, you know. The, the um, and I wrote about this in my review, the, the kind of the... Like, Jim, you're addressing the dichotomy between the two characters. It's really neat to see how The Walking Dead is using its general thesis of, like, what do you do to survive, showing, like, two, like, you know, skilled warriors at this point trying to handle a situation differently. And I completely agree. I think it is fascinating to watch 
Morgan be something of a pacifist to a degree, I guess, while Carol is just the ultimate pragmatist. It's just, it's just like there's no reason to keep the even when you tie him up, shoot him in the head. Like it's just it's 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 insane to see just how how differing in opinions these two are, yet how effective they both are in kind of communicating what their stance is in all of this amidst the chaos that's currently happening. Not to show too much nerd here, but it, it, Morgan's character makes me think of the monk character class from Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> very much that disciplined, very much, you know, not going to kill, but can definitely kick some ass. I mean, there's even a line right when Carol kills the first one in front of, uh, in front of Morgan. He goes, I had this. You didn't have to kill him. And she's like, please. He's like, no, I had this. She goes, are you kidding? Like, she even, they even said it out loud. They go, of course we're going to have to kill people. She said it like that. Of course we are. Well, um, and, and it takes, like, four interjections from Morgan trying to get her to respond before she even pays attention to what he was saying, which I love. Like, she she knows exactly what she's doing to the point where his protestations against it don't even register with her until he keeps going at it, like, four times. Just look at the way that they go about it, too. Morgan pretty much just walked down the street. You know, looking for people just out in the open, you know, looking for people, looking for, for, you know, the wolves, looking for survivors or whatever to deal with. Carol dressed herself up like a wolf, put the W on her forehead, you know, kind of went undercover, you know, and, and, and killed as many as she could, you know. Again, you, you're setting up these two different approaches, both equally valid, and two characters that, that, that respect each other as well, but totally different. And then at the end, they kind of cross paths on the street where Morgan's walking down one street and Carol's walking down the other. They don't talk. They just kind of cross each other. And it's, it's really strange. And the other thing I noted was no one really knows Carol's identity at this point, except, well, Morgan spotted it last episode without even seeing it. Now he really knows what she's all about, but no one knows she's like this. I mean, everyone's dead in Alexandria. Maybe the woman in the, in the food place, maybe her that she locked in the closet. That's the only one that may know that she's crazy. Maybe she'll be in shock. She won't remember it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Carol's crazy, though. I, I mean, I think she's just calculating. I think I actually agree with her more than I do Morgan, because look at what they've experienced. Every group of organized assholes out there they've ran into have tried to kill them, eat oh, yeah. them, something. And, and I mean, all you're going to do is if you capture them, what are you going to do with them? What are yeah, you going to do? I, with them? As, when I, I say mean, crazy, I mean crazy good, like she's crazy been killer. Doing that since the prison, I mean, teaching the kids how to use the knives and all that stuff. She's the I old. Mean, she's she the ultimate pragmatist. Killed the two people at the prison that were sick. I mean, she's calculated. She knows what she's doing. She's going to take care of the threat and try and rescue. And I think that's the can. smart play yeah. here, not the let's capture them and yeah. you know maybe oh, I'm right there with you. Certainly in this scenario know. for sure. There's people hacking up limbs of innocent people for no good reason. We don't need to capture these people. And they're not just coming in and just killing them. They're like savage, yeah. brutal yeah. you know, wild men, you know? Just chopping off arms and legs with an axe. And Morgan doesn't even seem to want to capture them. I know he does tie up the one guy who was attacking Father Gabriel, but he mostly just lets them go. No, I think no, I think the, them not to come back. I think the first the first time he captures them because he's like that's his plan. Then after seeing everything Carol does, including shooting the man in the head after he tied him up, he's just like, I don't want people to die. I want them to get out of here. I don't. The cap, oh, that's fair. Ca- Capturing's not a thing I can do anymore because this crazy woman's shooting the people in the head. So I need. I just want. <laughs> I just want them. Yeah, to but not be there. Just anymore. letting them go too is just inviting them. Oh back yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's road. a good plan of his. I, I think he's he's yeah. being far too caring as far. 
far as the it's, which also goes to Carl by the way later when it's like Carl shoots a guy in the leg who is you know chasing after Ron with a machete and then the guy's like begging for his life as if like hey I didn't try I was like that was one of those joke running at you with machetes I didn't mean it <laughs> <laughs> this is how I say hello yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that Morgan's actions in this episode will lead to deaths later on in the season uh, yeah because some of the things he does are just well I totally understand why he d- did them and I understand why they make sense to the character were incredibly stupid from my point of view at least so we've got a bunch of different stories going on so let's try to go character by character we already mentioned Jesse so let's wrap up her story her and Major Dodson Sam are <laughs> hiding in the closet there is some great silent face acting from Major Dodson the the, the camera's focused on Jesse in the scene with her and the gun listening you know listening outside to the closet but watch Major Dodson in the background his facial expressions are amazing um, but she hears Ron yelling from downstairs. And so she tells Sam, stay in the closet, lock yourself in, you know, do do the smart thing. She's going to go down and make sure that Ron doesn't get murdered um, because she's his mom and loves him or whatever, I guess. And so she goes down there. She gets attacked by a female wolf. The gun gets knocked out of her hand and she gets it first looks like she's knocked out. Um, but when the wolf goes over to pick up the gun, uh, Jesse grabs her haircut scissors and just goes to town on the wolf and stabs her about ten times as br- blood is spraying, uh, spraying everywhere, including all over Jesse. And Ron comes in and sees his mom in the midst of this slaughter of the wolf. I think she was letting go of some pent up anger. I'm not sure. But easily, just... no. Yes, easily. Oh, she was seeing Pete's face on this woman. Yeah, there, as she did no, this. no doubt in my mind that there was some extra effort put into killing this person because of what was going on in her head. Yeah, I mean, all she saw was Porch Dick after the first stab and just kept going. And all that scene needed was her at the end turn around, see Ron there, and go. And now you are getting a haircut. And I'm not. <laughs> and I'm not watching these. <laughs> So that is that is the Anderson uh, side of the story. There, uh, Carl over at um, over at the house is is staying behind to watch Judith. Um, I believe Car- uh, Carol's the one who tells him, you know, stay here, and make sure you watch Judith while everyone else is going on here. But he's got you know, like a you know big big semi automatic rifle, so he's gonna be fine. Um, he hears someone. Uh, trying to open one of the doors, so he sneaks around very carefully, and it's surprise Enid. She apparently has keys to every house in Alexandria, which is not entirely surprising to me for some reason, Um, but she tells him she was just coming to say goodbye. Obviously, this place isn't safe anymore. It's time for her to leave. Um, He tells her, no, you're going to stay here and help protect Judith with me until this is over, and don't tell me goodbye, so she agrees she won't. Um, She does start to say, how do you think we... And then he cuts her off to say something else. But it sure sounded to me like she was aware of the wolves or had been a part of the wolves at some point that we didn't see. What did you guys think of that line that she didn't get to finish? That, that's what I thought. I thought she was like a scout for the wolves. I don't see it. I like I I. I, I... I hear people talking about her being a possible... I don't see it. I don't see, like, this... I don't think she is actively part of the Wolves anymore, but I think she was at some point. They were speculating about that on the the talking show afterwards. I don't think that... If you listen to her dialogue carefully, she just realizes that this is what human humanity has become. She goes, they're just people. It's like, hey, Carl, this is what happens when you deal with people. They're going to kill you. She already had the keys. She was ready to leave. She even had some good comments that there's too many places to – there's not enough lookouts. You can't keep every 
place under surveillance in this place. There's too many hiding spots. There's too many ways and, in. But then that line of, after all, how do you think we? And then he cuts her off. That we is very, I can't think of what that could possibly mean otherwise. I'll have to go back and watch that we, just, what, that, what that was referring I don't to. Believe, I, thought that was, I don't believe there would be a cold open like that that would, perp, that would just kind of expel a significant chunk of her life involved with the wolves, apparently, to like misdirect us for later down the road. I don't, I don't believe the show don't would know. do that. Yeah, uh, and I just thought it was a very touching scene. I wanted to add that. That was good acting from teenage actors when they were sitting back-to-back right there, and you felt there, there was emotion there. I, and, I, could, you know, I could believe that after she left, she would get taken in by the wolves after the fact, given that she leaves at the end of the episode. I could believe that. That's possible. Like I, that's something I could see. Like she comes back later on after having been abducted into the wolves or something. Like like, like later on, then um, they hear some commotion outside. They they uh, see Ron getting chased by a wolf with a machete. Carl shoots him in the leg. The guy. Th- this is the scene you were talking about earlier, Aaron. He basically goes, "No, no, no! I was just joking. Don't kill me, man. That really hurts. Don't shoot me again." And then he tries to grab Carl, and Carl shoots him dead because that's what Carl does. Uh, I was a little upset that Carl would be dumb enough to even yeah. fall for it in the beginning if, for a bit. If, but... if this was like season three Carl, I could have bought it, maybe. But this is, you know, Carl I know now. I don't know about Carl falling for this kind of stuff. I mean, season three Carl, if you remember with Herschel, blew away the the, the turn, what is it, the uh, Woodbury person. Yeah, at the end of season three. The guy from <laughs> Rescue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end. It just blew him away. Yeah, end of season three Carl. I'd be like, yeah. early on, like, Dad, I think I need to eat cat food Carl. Like that Carl. <laughs> 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 We, we get a story about Denise and Tara and Eugene. Um, I believe it's, is it Holly who gets stabbed and gets brought into the infirmary? I and who is she? Because right. they're all making a big fuss over this woman who's it's, on the it's bed. It's the woman, I believe it's the woman who last season was up in the crane um, when the construction site was attacked and she fell and broke her yeah. leg, but her and Abraham held off the group. Yeah. She has the same haircut if it's not the same person, I don't know. I like the actress, though, so it's a shame, spoilers, she dies. Um, uh, if it is the same character, it's a shame, because I, I liked her in the show. Um, but yeah, so Denise was apparently trained. She did go to medical school. She wanted to be a surgeon, but she just couldn't do it, and so she went into, was it psychiatry instead? Yes. Yeah, she said she had panic attacks when she tried to become a surgeon, and that's what led her into psychiatry. So she has some knowledge, some experience, but this is certainly not... The, her area of expertise, but she's the next best thing to a doctor that they have. Uh, she attempts to save Holly's life. She's unable to do so. Um, she doesn't want to hear anyone's you know empathetic thoughts, um, but then Tara basically just leaves with, yeah, don't forget to stab Holly in the head before she comes back as a zombie. <laughs> um, which well, is kind of this really dark, macabre joke, but I, I liked it. I thought it worked. You get Eugene's great moment here, though, where he's like, you know, you, know, you don't want to be a coward. Trust me, I know. You know, when he's right. trying to decide to get up with the gumption to try to save her, you know, because she and, knows and I don't, I don't think we, that it's empathy. It's pe- I mean, it's just it's pure logic. Okay, you have this person; they're going to die. If no one helps them, they're going to die. If you help them with your limited knowledge, there's a better chance of them not dying. So it makes sense for her to do what she can because one way or another she's probably going to die anyway. exactly That's, oh absolutely yeah, there's no question there like it's like you, there's there's doing something or doing nothing and both result in death i mean so at least one right. of those might not result in death so do that thing right it's like cpr if cpr is needed and done correctly nine times out of ten the patient still dies that doesn't mean you don't try cpr it just means it doesn't always work also um, a bit earlier a bit a bit earlier that scene eugene has a moment where um 
where where like they're all like Aaron's trying to round up people to go out and like and Eugene's like it might be better if I stay this here or whatever like he says some technical jargon phrase that the phrase that line and then he has he's like what did you say and he repeats the exact same line again which just made me hilarious <laughs> hilarious Eugene has the funniest lines in the whole show this whole show just everyone he's got is like almost like a one line he's, he's putting the comedy yeah. back in Asperger's <laughs> <laughs> it's so serious why don't they call it meningitis. <laughs> Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I, I'm just going back and see we are jumping around a little bit, but you, you're staying with, with character we're with now. I'm kind of who, who he's talking. Well, about? we, we pretty much finished Denise's. I was going to go to Aaron next. Gotcha. Okay, so continue. I'll so Aaron back. doesn't get a ton to do in the episode. You know, he he takes pl- he takes part in the fighting. He rounds up people, that kind of stuff. But his main scene is towards the end of the battle uh, when the wolves have been mostly driven away. Uh, he's going through and checking bodies, stabbing them in the back of the head to make sure nobody comes back as zombies. When he finds his knapsack that he dropped at the end of last season in the season finale that had all the pictures of Alexandria and realizes at least some part of this is his fault. Now, I don't think it's really, you can really blame it on him, but it certainly seems like the character is taking a lot of the guilt upon his shoulders um, from finding the knapsack. I love the scene with the, with the pictures. It just took me back to the scene where he's trying to convince Rick and everyone that they have this, you know, ideal, ideal, you know, Shangri-La type settlement and they're not buying it. I think it took him like two episodes before they... Re- Realized that he was telling the truth or whatever, but uh, his little like travel brochure there, him going through that, I thought that was a great callback. Yeah, there was another scene too before that scene with the knapsack, but it involves Aaron, so that's why we're we're talking about it here. It's where him and Rosita are clearing a house. Just a great shot. You see the the camera looks through the windows. You see them causing mayhem. The wolves, I mean, inside the house. Then it pans down to Rosita with Aaron right behind and they go and they shoot these people on the porch. Just great direction. The music was really amped up at that point. I mean, I noted it here. It's just, it's great. Just really good pacing for the show. And as far as Aaron finding the knapsack, that was also very touching and seeing those pictures again. It was, it was cool. It's a good, Good it's a good character beat for him because now he's like, Whoa, Aaron, we lost your mic. I think you just switched to your laptop. mic. You went back to Apple mic. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Yeah. So at this point in the episode, Aaron's mic got unplugged, and we realized that, as you just heard, but we didn't realize was that his recording stopped. So from this point on, we lost all of Aaron's audio. Now, he was kind enough to re-record his Buster ratings, which I'll throw in later in the show at the appropriate time. And if there's anything he said that you wouldn't be able to understand the conversation without, and I can remember what it is, I'll throw it in, in my own words, from the best of my memory. So I apologize, Aaron, if I'm misquoting you or misattributing something to you, but uh, I'll do my best. We couldn't really re-record the whole episode, though, because it would have just been a major nightmare. The episode's already a day late. So I apologize. We all apologize. Uh, these things happen, unfortunately, and uh, we, we have a fix for if this were to ever happen again, but hopefully it won't ever happen again. So, sorry, and back to the episode. Well, and it's and it's that dramatic irony of his entire job was to bring good people into the town, and his efforts to bring good people into the town have now led to not its downfall necessarily, but certainly a giant uh, chunk taken out of it. Uh, we have the Spencer, Deanna, and Maggie story, uh, which is like like we said, Maggie and Deanna were, were farming or whatever right there by the fence when the whole thing started. Spencer was up in the tower being a terrible sniper, but he did manage to take out uh, the driver of the truck. So they all rush down to the truck when the horn's going, um, and they get the horn turned off. Maggie's like, we got to go back inside and, and help everybody, and Deanna makes the salient point. It seems kind of cowardly at first, but it does make sense of, I do not have a gun. 
I am going to be no use to you in a fight, and if we go in there, I'm just going to be another person you need to save. So Deanna stays inside the truck, uh, Spencer stays guard, and Maggie goes in to help with the battle. That's pretty much all of their story, unless I'm forgetting something. Aaron more or less agrees here, and then brings up the ending of the scene, which he also liked. And I, I like the button on that scene that you mentioned, that, that shot of her, where she goes inside the truck, you're seeing it through the broken glass of the windshield, and she takes that moment of closing her eyes and f- stealing herself up, finding her resolve, and then it cuts back to the other stories. But So you don't get the sense that it's cowardice. It really is a smart decision on her part. Yeah, and, and Spencer for hire, before we get to this scene, uh, what is it, M- Morgan sees him in the truck. He goes, come on, we have to get it inside the wall. And he senses that Spencer's kind of a coward. He goes, okay, just hide. Just hide. Just do it. <laughs> that was just, again, Lenny James, just him delivering those five words. It's great acting. You see it in his face. He hops off the truck and then goes away, and Spencer stays there looking scared, I guess. I, I don't know that I, I... I get what you're saying. I don't know what if I go want to go so far as to call Spencer a coward just so much as he's in over his head, and he knows it. He is certainly doesn't have the training or skills to do what is being asked of him at this point. Not like our, our main crew of Rick's people. I was going to say, he's totally proving Rick's point from, I think it was last episode or maybe last season, that the Alexandrians all need trained. Right, and exactly. All, all do not yeah. know how to survive out there. I mean, he's just totally proving the point. I, I, think, I think Spencer would be willing to do what needs to be done if he had the ability to do it. Yeah. And, and hopefully he will get to the point where he has that ability. The family is really proving the point. Deanna and her son are both saying, we can't do what you do. We can't, we really can't protect the town, protect ourselves like the Ricks gang can. So it, it really is becoming reality here, right before our eyes. They didn't have a way to alert the town that they were under attack. There's no, like, bell or anything. They yeah, that's a good point. There's no warning the system. Mm. They, they they need something like that. But I, I do think it's important, though, to men- to note that, you know, like, if they get that training, they could become like Jessie, who is able to defend herself and is able to save her family. Because she already mentioned, I think it was last episode with Rick, you know, that she started getting some training. I forget who it was. Maybe Aaron is showing her how to use guns. If they do get that training, the ones of them that are left may have a chance to survive. We'll see. <laughs> We come back towards the end uh, to Carl and Enid's story, but let's get that out of the way now so we can focus mainly on the Carol and Morgan stuff. Um, Carl, uh, after all that has kind of happened, he's looking around for Enid. Enid's gone, um, but he finds a note from her, and the note says, it tells us what JSS means, and it's just survive somehow, which has become her kind of mantra in the zombie apocalypse, and it seems to be a pretty decent mantra, and that's when he hears the ding of the timer go off, letting us know that our 45 minutes is over, and he goes over and takes the casserole out of the oven, which is a... a, I really like that button of the 45 minutes, the timer. It's a great little button and a joke. Um, And I guess that's that's towards the end of the episode. Um, But we we still have the Carol and Morgan stuff. So Carol and and Morgan are going about this whole thing, like we've said a couple times, very differently. Carol is shooting first and asking questions never and Morgan is hitting people and asking a ton of questions and not really getting any answers. Carol, uh, Carol, like we said, Morgan um, captures one guy who is about to fill co- kill Father Gabriel, which makes me really dislike Morgan because he kept uh, Gabriel alive, and Carol just shoots the guy in the head. She gets guns for Gabriel and Morgan. Morgan doesn't even want the gun. Gabriel ends up with two and has no skill or ability to use them whatsoever, and just looks kind of dumbfounded. I like that look. He just kind of looking at his hands like, 
Huh? <laughs> Which end do I point to people? I don't even know. <laughs> Carol gets to the armory. She she finds who who's in the closet. What's that lady's name? I keep forgetting her name. It's the one that keeps track of all the food. Commissary girl. I, I don't know what her name is. Actually. She gives her a brief. Here's how you use a gun. Point it in the direction you want to shoot. Pull the trigger. Keep doing it until the thing stops moving. And tells her to guard the armory. Um, she goes and, and keeps you know killing people as needed. Morgan has the scene where he gets surrounded by five six seven wolves and they're taunting him he keeps hitting them and they they eventually run away and one of the wolves even gets a gun and morgan refuses to kill them and just kind of watches them go and follows them to the gate and then closes it behind them so now we have a bunch of wolves who have guns now or at least a gun and uh, know that this guy's unwilling to kill them really the only reason the wolves lose is because they don't have any guns right honestly Come on, come on, come on. They probably don't have guns, though, because when Morgan ran into the one, he had a gun, but it didn't have any bullets. Right, He's unloaded. I mean, we could talk about wolf philosophy. I mean, there there is (laughs) a lot to what they're doing. It's it's strange. I mean, they they're really just trying to cause chaos and destroy. I mean, they're not trying to take over. Usually, what what the humans are trying to do is take other people's supplies and take their town. But these people are just looking for destruction. Just to kill people, chop them up, take them as trophies. You saw them with the chains. The totally different agenda. And, and when you think about it, it's really frightening, but it's very cool. Well, what's the thing? I think it's Morgan the guy tells it to, but he's like, you don't understand, man. We don't belong here. Humans don't belong in towns or whatever. Yeah, and then Carol comes and blows her blows his head off, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it was that guy, yes. <laughs> Um, so Morgan makes his way into a house. I don't know exactly whose house it is, um, but he's confronted by the main wolf we saw last season. The guy who has the sit down conversation with Morgan at the beginning of the season finale. Um, that guy recognizes him. They fight for a bit. Uh, Morgan has a chance to kill him and doesn't. And the wolf realizes this and says, oh, you can't even do it, can you? Uh, Morgan, he, he tries to attack Morgan again. Morgan knocks him down, says, I'm sorry. And then we get kind of a POV of the wolf shot as the bow staff comes right towards his presumably face and the camera cuts away. So did he kill him or is it a Tyrese all over again? Yeah, I was thinking, you think he's dead? Okay. I'm hoping he's dead. Aaron thinks the wolf is pretty much definitely dead. They wouldn't pull the same trick they pull with Tyrese again. And the sound mix and everything about it made it seem like the guy was definitely dead. Well, I mean, and I can buy that. he's struggling killing somebody this whole episode. I, I mean, he killed him. Yeah, I think he killed him. He's tried to let that guy live once, and then he's had to finish him the second time. Everybody gets one. And then he apologizes think, to him and I'm, says, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think the yeah. giveaway is the apology. You know, he wouldn't have said, I, I'm sorry, before striking him like that if he wasn't killing him. But Tyrese said something like that, too, though, didn't he? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. or Didn't he? I won't. That's what it is, right? I couldn't remember that. I won't. I won't. <laughs> All right. I'll admit, though, the first time I watched it, I'm thinking this guy's still alive. But the second time I put the volume up a little bit, it wasn't definitely a squishy sound when it, when when the staff hit his head. So I think he is gone. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Although they didn't frame it that way visually for me to see it. Towards the end of the episode, Carol has a moment where the, the battle's more or less over, and she uh, she goes over and finds the pack of Morley cigarettes that uh, Mrs. Niedermeyer was going to be smoking. And she goes and sits down um, on the stoop. And there's a, an A in blood on the, on the steps. I don't think we ever get an answer for what that is. That's the stamp. But... That's Sam's stamp. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They flashed it at Jesse. And, yeah. 
from from last season, yeah. Yep. I think as she's sitting there, she sees that stamp, and it kind of triggers that there's that little kid might be dead. Right. Right. I think that's kind of what triggers that little. He has the stamp in his hand when he's sitting on the stoop in the first scene where she tells him off and go toughen up, kid. Right. He has it in his hand. He's playing with the stamp. So so she picks up the cigarettes. She's contemplated smoking one. She kind of flips it around a few times, and she doesn't. What's the thing that makes her not do it, though? What does she see? I forget. Is it the stamp, or is yeah. it something else? She sees the stamp, I think. And then uh, we kind of more or less end the episode with an overhead shot of Morgan and Carol passing each other in the street as they both head to their respective homes, and uh, the shot fades to black. And that is JSS. Just one quick Carol thing. Again, we did mention she killed that neighbor on the step. I don't know if we talked about that, where the neighbor yeah, yeah. got slashed. Oh, okay, yeah. and, and she got that back end. The uh, the W, the wolf that she impersonated, his name was Aphid, by the way, in case those of you were wondering. They yeah, which is quick. a strange choice for a dude, but okay. Aphid. Hey, Aphid, nice trophy or something. They were, they were saying as she was parading down with Morgan down the street. but uh... Aphids are the main food of ladybugs. Like, it's just a strange... It's a strange word to know for the average person, I would think, um, but it's an even stranger name to choose for yourself, particularly if you frame yourself as a wolf and you go by aphid. It's okay. probably part of the cult. So at this point, Aaron makes a joke, I think at my expense, I couldn't quite understand him, actually. <laughs> I, I don't follow. I missed the joke, whatever it was. And so then here he repeated it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll get it when I re-edit this later. We'll see. And due to the way this recording turned out, turns out I'll never know the answer of what the joke was, and now neither are you. That means you have to be in the same boat as me. Isn't that fun? All right, back to the regular show now. Should we move on to our ratings for the episode? Sure. All right, let's start with Aaron. Uh, Aaron, on a scale of one to five busters, five being the best, one being the worst, what do you give this episode? I'm going to give this one a five out of five busters. I think this was a terrific episode, my favorite Walking Dead episode this year, really. Um, I think everything that I want to see in an episode, this one accomplishes. Uh, that's especially funny because I um, I like the character-driven episodes of the series, and even though I think the writing is generally suffers in spots so this episode somehow was like a perfect combination of a lot of action mixed with a lot of strong character beats we've talked about the dichotomy between uh carol and morgan in particular i think there's just a lot of great stuff there with these kind of mini character vignettes so just really a terrific episode all around five out of five busters i'm gonna give it a 4.9 and here's why it has everything i wanted in the walking dead was in this episode except for one thing rick so if he was in it, I would have given it a five, but it gets a 4.9 for me. Cannot get any better. The action, the pacing, the direction, all spot on. This is where The Walking Dead needs to be. I mean, yes, there needs to be a balance of character work and all that, but I think the, a good chunk of the viewers want to see this or something like this every few weeks or so. At least I do. And I thought it was just absolutely perfect. Great way to bring in this season. I'm very optimistic about it. Again, 4.9 busters for me. I give this one a 4.75, and I'm going to say almost exactly the same thing I said last week. It has all the things that come to Walking Dead 4, you know, a lot of gripping action, good character stuff. Um, um, I really, I mean, Morgan and Carol are two my two favorite characters in the whole series, and it was great to see both of them. And again, you know, the way they worked off of each other and, and kind of against each other's principles, but working together as well. Um, just, I really enjoyed it a lot, top to bottom. I thought it was well-directed, well well-acted, well-written, all around, 475. 
I absolutely love this episode. I think I gave last week's Five Busters as well, and that's what I'm giving this one. Um, like Jim said, it's everything that we've come to The Walking Dead for. Um, I got a lot. While there wasn't anything specifically comic book related, I just got such a feeling of the comic book in watching this episode. And for The Walking Dead to do that for me, then it's accomplished what I'm looking for. Uh you know, I love seeing Morgan the way he is. I love seeing Carol the way she is. Like I said, I agree more with the way Carol's approach to things were. Um, I think that the wolves are, that this is just the first taste and we're going to get so much more down the road. Um, I do think Enid somehow related to them in some way, shape, or form. Um, but there's so many seeds I think that were planted in this week's episode for the rest of the season to come. So yeah, definitely five busters. I got to say the episode that I usually judge all walking deads by is, is clear. That's my favorite episode. And I think this one is, is equal to that. I give it five busters. I mean, the whole contrast between, uh, Morgan's mentality and Carol's mentality of this situation. I mean, Carol just blends in and, and is killing people left and right. And Morgan's trying to, you know, make this uh, moral high ground where he's letting these people go and giving them a warning. Uh, and in this moment of panic, how they both of them had to deal with it. And, you know, Morgan has to make that choice and, I guess, kills this guy. And breaks his his uh, streak there, but it's uh, one of the best episodes I've seen in a long time, and I'm excited to see where the show goes. I mean, there's a lot going on with the uh, like parallels to the comics and with the attack on Alexandria, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, mid series ends. I will also give this episode a five. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I think it did everything that last week's episode did right, except it was just tighter. And a lot of that was probably just not being uh, 90 minutes long, but being, you know, the, the normal episode length. This one was just from from that 15 minute point. It was nonstop. Lots of great character moments. Lots of really well shot action. A lot of really well acted silent or mostly silent scenes um, from a whole wide range of characters in in this show. Um, this was really cool. And to, to piggyback off what, uh, what Craig said earlier about there being no Rick, this was an awesome episode that as far as I'm concerned, didn't even need Rick because everyone else was pulling their weight. Um, and then some, so five busters for me, I thought it was awesome. But before we get to what our listeners thought of this week's episode, Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. That's, of course, DCB Service, Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com and their sister site, In Stock Trades. They let you buy comics and comic book-related merchandise at deep, deep discounts. Talking 10, 25, 30, 40, sometimes 50% or even more off your orders. You can get your comics, you can get your trade paperbacks, your hardcovers, your t-shirts, your hats, uh, your McFarlane uh, Lego style Walking Dead building sets. If it's cool, if it's nerdy, and if you don't want to spend a ton of money on it, you need to check out DCBService.com and InStockTrades.com. One, because you're going to get a great deal on stuff you want, but two, because they support this show, and so you should support them as well. Let me testify. I have an order showing up tomorrow on my doorstep. 
I bought both Secret Warriors volumes that I was missing. Good uh, normally, choice, sir. Good normally choice. Normally $20. I paid 11 bucks each. Nice. The the most recent Invincible Hardcover Ultimate Collection, Volume 9, normally 40 bucks. I paid $23. And Saga's uh, fifth trade paperback, which is normally $16, I paid 7 bucks. So that's the kind of savings that you can get. And if you order over $50, it's free shipping. Oh, nice. I wanted to mention real quick, too, that uh, Image just put out the, I think, third volume of the Compendium. Uh, yep. size uh, versions of The Walking Dead. These are the really big phone book versions that I, I have. Uh, that, that have 48 issues per 48 volume. 48 issues per volume. Yeah. The third one just came out. It's in previews this month. And you can order that from DCB Service at their regular, hugely discounted price. And we should say, uh, without getting into specifics, that volume, where that volume begins, is about roughly the same time that Rick and crew get to Alexandria in the comics. Yeah, so yeah. You'd be, if you pick up that volume, A, you're probably going to want to pick up the first two before that. But if you pick up just that volume, you'll be getting in right about right where we are in the show right now, more or less. So it's definitely a good place to check out. So check out dcbservice.com. The second compendium ended with issue 96, and they showed up in Alexandria before 100. So it's it, right it was there. right around there. Yeah, yeah. So. So, Jim, what did our listeners on the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group think about this week's episode? Well, we have a wonderful Facebook group. It is called the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group, oddly enough, because that is the name of the show. And we ask everyone who is part of that group, and we would like you to join it as well if you're listening. Uh, we have a lot of great discussion, news. Uh, you get to links to Aaron's reviews every week of the episodes. Uh, all kinds of good stuff there in the Facebook group. We ask everybody to rate, uh, give us their Buster ratings on the show. Uh, Seth Tillman gives us wow uh, five out of five Carol uh, Carol's Marlboro menthols, and I want to stop you right there, Seth. Those were Morley's, Morley's right? not from uh, X Files, absolutely not Marlboros. Yeah, actually, it's like a Hollywood inside thing. A lot of movies have Morley's. It's not just X Files, but it's like it's like a little inside joke within Hollywood. I think that's where I remember I'm seeing him first was like the Smoking Man. Uh, absolutely. X-Files. Um, Action Pack, Love Carol and Morgan's uh, Dual Opposing Opinions on Life Carl's Protections of Baby Judith And How the Show Isn't Afraid to Let Some of the Lesser Used but Wonderful uh, Stars Shine Can't Wait for Next Week uh, Brent Jones, 4.85 Red Shirt Massacres out of 5 uh, Good Not Great Love Letting the B-Squad Shine Carol Was Badass Rosita is Still Fine as Hell And Aaron Can Hold His Own uh, Pamela Burton, a 4.5 out of 5 badass carols. Uh, Carol was really awesome as usual. Morgan, I'm already tired of his not wanting to kill people's stances. He's the new Tyrese. Uh, overall, the episode was great, and I'm excited to see next week's. Uh, Everard Santa Marina, 4 dibs on killing Ron myself out of 5. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling to understand the logic of the wolves. I don't think they really do the logic thing or whatever. Uh, they, they showed tremendous resourcefulness in setting up the truck depot trap. But they're essentially just machete-wielding maniacs. Uh, Susan Monk, 3.75 perfect post-apocalyptic homemakers out of five. Uh, Carol's the only one who can put a casserole in the oven as an attack starts and be mostly responsible for ending the attack before the timer ends. Her secret is out now. (laughs) She makes a good point. I mean, before that, Carol just kind of had the the homemaker thing going on, and now everyone will realize what a, you know, warrior she is too yeah all saying, five people who are still her? alive yeah who's alive <laughs> like, yeah, who, who, who's, yeah they're all the gone in the cabinet the, right yeah. yeah i guess you're right 
Uh, Lisa Slope Lockridge, 4.25 cans of celery soup. Uh, action, some background on Enid, and a little character building all rolled together to a very good episode. Despite the lack of Rick, Daryl, or Michonne. Um, Mike Jones, five Cannibal Holocaust turtles out of five. <laughs> I thought of the same thing, actually. Uh, that that is that is true. Mm, Although it was much turtle. bigger in that movie. Uh, the second the Marlboro Lady got knocked down this episode, it never let up. I think Enid is a spy. She didn't seem nervous at all during the attack when sitting with Carl. Uh, and I think Chub Toad agrees. Uh, yep. Rick Sides, a 4.75 disgusting habit ending machete hacks out of five. A minus half a point for Father Gabriel surviving the episode. <laughs> <laughs> totally with you there, Rick. Totally, totally of a like mind. Uh, Max Sofer, four those noodles out of five. Uh, there's exactly zero way that's all the wolves are. I guess we'll learn more about them when Ron becomes one of them. Good news, Ooh. the horn was explained. Uh, Trisha Terrell Collins, five busters with Carl leaving the porch finally. Uh, Morgan carrying the big stick with a conscience. And best of all, Carol dressed up for Halloween and giving goodies to all the deserving wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Trick or treat, bitch. Uh, David B. the third, 4.5 Ron Burgundy's out of five. I love this episode. And the only grace of Morgan letting the wolves leave and not killing those who kill mercilessly. I understand being humane, but not to people who show no possibility of rehabilitation. Uh, Monica Smith and Asita, five carols in wolves clothing out of five. Awesome episode. I was yelling so loud at the TV, I set off all the sound-activated Halloween decorations. Uh, Carol is so gangsta, I love it. And Morgan, really? Do we really think he killed that wolf, or is it Tyrese all over again? It seems to be a recurring theme. Uh, and I think the Deanna ship is surely over by now. <laughs> Uh, Brian Minnis, I think Ron's reaction had more to do with him wanting uh, nothing to do with Carl or Rick. And I'm pretty sure that Ron's days are numbered. Mm. A lot of Ron hate here. I mean, yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, Tanya Royston, 4.5. You just wait till my daddy gets back out of five. Uh, Zen Master Morgan is going to have to quickly come to terms with his all life is precious motto if he wants to be with the group. Um, Tarek, Aqua, uh, Tarek Awar, uh, I'm giving this episode five. Tonight I dine on turtle soup out of five. No, I don't. Oh, it's always the turtles who suffer, isn't it? I don't think there's been a season so far that had two five out of fives for the first two episodes for me. Um, uh, Pierce CH, uh, I give it four Star Wars Kid Morgan Melees out of five. Uh, Eugene <laughs> is such a tool in the show. I'm hoping they write. And Danny McBride is Eugene's brother that shows up and kicks Eugene's ass and whips him into shape. Oh, wow. Thanks, Chris. They need to do that. Yeah, the, the hair is perfect, you know. Uh, Rob Cook, five non-lethal Morgans out of five. Another top episode of Plenty of Action. Uh, Rick's not going to be impressed with Morgan letting the wolves go. They'll live to regret that choice. Uh, Richard Chopper, Cherry Charrington. Wow, what another fantastic episode. Didn't expect the wolves attack so early in the season. Love how Carol showed her true side and kicked ass. But remember, people go outside and smoking kills. And a nice nod to the X-Files of the Morley Cigarettes. I give this yep. episode four tortoise snacks out of five. Uh, Carl Hooker, five Burning Man festivals out of five. Intense, intense action from pretty much the beginning till the end. One question, how did Morgan get there before Rick and everyone else? Yeah, Segway. We, we talked about the timing. A Segway. Yes, that's it, of course. High Speed Rail. And uh, Sarah Ann Howard, booyah, five out of five kick-ass Carol casseroles. Awesome, great episode. Lots of action wrapped around character development to boot. My one beef, 
How did Morgan get there so much faster? Yeah. Uh, was he sent a different way? Travel interdimensionally? <laughs> Hopefully we'll get some insight next week. Love, love, love you, Carol. And next week looks just as exciting. And if you'd like to get on the discussion, the news feed, um, I really like this Assassin's Creed uh, Carol, uh, JPG, that um, you found on Reddit, Jordan, that you put up there. Yes. Yeah, that, was <laughs> nice. that was quite appropriate. There was another one I saw today that was, I believe it was straight out of Alexandria, but was her in the... Uh, the wolf guard pointing the the, the gun kind of gangsta style and uh, I thought that was funny yeah uh, but we have a lot of good news there a lot of fun memes all kinds of good stuff and like I said you can uh, link to uh, Aaron's reviews of the show uh, all um, on the on the youngfolks.com all from the Facebook group the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group please join us you know Everard made a comment on here it says how long was that flight 462 segment I almost missed it too I, yeah. I mean what are they showing us here? What are they doing? It's like these little snippets of nothing. I mean, Aaron, it sounded good when you described this whole thing. They're going to air a little chunk of it each week, and it sounds really exciting. This is not exciting so far. I don't know what's going to happen here. Why you do this, Aaron? Why, yeah, why, why you, you do, do this? this Aaron, way, Aaron, you're our guiding walking dead person. We trust everything you say, and when you let us down like this, we just... This is, this is, this is why we cry. Yeah. I was just reading your review, by the way, the youngfolks.com. Really good... Good, very good. You, you you're kind of good at this review stuff, Aaron. This is this is this is yeah. <laughs> you might want to look into making a living out of that. So in ratings news, there was a uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I know there was uh, some some talk last week of the numbers being down, yeah, and then the plus threes and plus sevens came in, and the numbers were once you factor those in like higher than they've ever been before. Actually, so it looks like any, any worries about the numbers crashing for The Walking Dead were a bit premature. They got better. As they say, it was just interesting because, like, the day before those plus threes and plus sevens and all that came out, the uh, AMC stock on Wall Street fell, like it closed down five percent, just based on the the regular Nielsen numbers. And it wasn't until they were bolstered later that they recovered. Yeah, and Richard, you were Crazy. talking about this last time that people don't watch on a time anymore. There was a lot of sports going on last Sunday. Yeah. It was an hour and a half episode. There was a lot of football. There's a lot of I think playoff baseball was happening too. Just a lot of TV was happening. People DVR yeah. the opener. Watched it Monday, I, Tuesday, or Wednesday. I watched it on my DVR later because I'm a Cubs fan and I was watching the Cubs in the playoffs during the show. So we're definitely not at appointment television anymore. I mean, a lot of your diehard fans, they do get to it right when it's airing, but not all the time. So that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Of course, we're going to talk about next week's episode after the end here, but we'll warn you before any spoilers come. Um, until then, you can contact us at WDTV at HHWLOD.com or check out the Facebook group, of course, the Walking Dead TV podcast group. We'd love to have you over there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. Of course, we get that information every week at HHWLOD underscore network. And until there's no more room in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember, just survive somehow. And next week on The Walking Dead, of course, if you don't want to know anything about next week's episode, cut out right now. We won't be offended. Tune out, Jerry. If you don't mind knowing just a slight bit about next week's episode, Season 6, Episode 3 is entitled, Thank You. And the brief, brief synopsis we have from AMC.com is, A Return Home Doesn't Go As Expected. Ooh. That is incredibly vague. Now, here's an interesting thing, and uh, I didn't bring this up during the episode because I didn't want to spoil anybody, but everything in the preview that we see, that I can remember anyway, is all out in the woods. None of it is in Alexandria, 
which says to me that this freight train of action could continue for four total episodes just based on what we have now. I have a feeling next week's is going to be all Rick's crew. He's going to tell Morgan, you go back to the town and protect them. Everybody else is going to stay here and take out as many zombies as possible. And then the week after that will probably be the remaining zombies getting to the town and everybody having to deal with that. I have a feeling this freight train is going to go pretty crazy <laughs> for, for the next two episodes. So you think the team is going to be split, the A team and the B team, or the Alexandria team and the Rick team, for a few episodes are going to stretch this out? Yes. Okay. I, I have a feeling the reason Morgan made it back so fast, quote-unquote, and everybody else didn't, is was on purpose. Like, they told Morgan, you head back, and everybody else stayed and took out the zombies. So the time lines up. Yeah. The, yes, I, I think that so. Makes sense. We'll, we'll see, of and course. But. I saw the the extra little snippet of next week's episode on The Talking Dead. You see that scene, and this is not spoiling anything, so it was the same scene they showed during the Comic-Con trailer where Rick is just running down that open road very fast, and he's taking out some zombies. And uh, So, yeah, something something's going to happen in the woods with Rick and his, his team next week. Uh, that's definitely, definitely in the cards, it seems like. But uh, until then, have a good week, everybody. Bye. We are boom, recording. Boom, boom. Wait, I see waveforms. Yeah. Check, check, check. Afon, audio, audio. You waveforms. Audio. The Force okay, Awakens. <laughs> and if everybody forms. could yeah, just up. call and response for me here, because we tried this last week, I will say one, then you say two, then I'll say three, etc. So one, two, two, two three, four, four, five, six. six. Okay, that, that should be enough. Just so I can easily line up the Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> Second quarter just started. Okay. Oh, oh, the football game. I was yeah, like, I what? <laughs> so you're not watching the football game at all. You're waiting for I'm the commercial. I'm not watching That's it. No, it. I, I glance over and see the time on the, on the TV. Aaron, you know that's that going to so hit funny. the internet like two seconds after it's on. Or I could watch it on my nice TV in front of me right now. <laughs> that's what I could do. Right, but, you know. I know it's on the it, internet sure... because I have to also post the embed code so I can post this post I already have written up about the trailer also. So you've already seen the trailer. I haven't. No, I haven't seen the trailer. Then how have you written up something about it's it? It's very vague. Oh, it, it it just says, "Wow, this new trailer is great." Basically, that's what it is. you'll never believe the reveal that happens up minute and forty five in. I have I have a so, job that I could do. So tomorrow I could just go into work and be like, "Hey, I got to write a post that's fifteen things you didn't know about the Star Wars or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> I literally get paid to do that. It's great. It's so cool. So, do you actually have to go into work? Yeah, or do there's you a, just I tell go, I go to an okay. office. Yes. Do you have an editor that, like, comes out and screams things at you and then slams the door and his window shatters? I mean, I don't have, like, Perry or J. Jonah Jameson with me, but we do have editors. Uh, All right. We're good. <laughs> Let's get this going. I'm not talking about so my job. The game? I mean, I'm a Giants fan. I'm not even watching it right now. Who, who's who's actually winning? Uh, hold on. They're... Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I'm making you watch the game. No, it's seven, no, they're doing it just was off for a second. It's 7-7. Seven, seven. It's tied 7-7. Seven, seven. Star okay. Wars trailer. This is episode 147. Okay. Monday Night Football. Who's playing? Who's playing? Giants, Giants and Eagles. Philly, right? Yeah. And Philly. You know, the thing that sucks is without your other mic on, I can't hear you. <laughs> oh. Just pop, your, pop one of your headphones off. That's what I'm doing. One side, yeah. Just, yeah. just pop one off. But, but then I don't get Jordan 
In stereo. In beautiful surround <laughs> sound. I, I'm pretty sure Skype is transmitting in mono, although I don't actually know that for sure. But don't, don't ruin the don't ruin the the mirage for me. I would be careful with those Morleys, though. I can hear you can catch aliens from them. So yes. <laughs> That's coming Speaking back. Of, I can't wait till that's, that comes back. Oh, I was about to say the same thing. I'm so excited. X-Files. And he's in it. His voice is in it. I don't know if he's in it, but his voice is in it. Smoking it's probably Man. a flashback or something. He, oh. he, he, that The second or third time he died in that series, it sure seemed to be pretty permanent. <laughs> 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 the truth is out there. Morally, bring it on. Yeah, what's his uh, Who plays Mulder? What's his name? Jillian Anderson. David Duchovny. I want to say David Boreanaz. <laughs> I knew that was the wrong person. Uh <laughs> David Duchovny is looking old. My God, he uh, his jowls. He's aged about 30 years in the last 10. It's pretty amazing. He's been fornicating, Californicating. Yeah, I was going to say, Californicating. <laughs> the, the, the women love him, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I never understood that. When I finally got around to watching X-Files earlier this year, and I was, like, Googling about it and seeing all these, like, women going crazy over David Duchovny, I was like, really? Him? That guy? Really? Like, you have Mitch Pelegi right there next to him, like, and you're going to choose David Duchovny? I don't care. Yeah, shocker's Mitch Pelegi is Jordan's cup of tea. That's that's the way to put it. <laughs> he, Jordan, has, people, he has people, aged a day, by the way. He looks like get Denim. old and age as they get older. And some of them. So do it more I mean, someday when you when you've when you've coming out the other side of puberty and started to experience this, you'll understand. But you know, the body starts to break down at a certain point. I plan to die in a fire explosion long before that happens. I can't wait to see Jordan's hottie list of the men on The Walking Dead. <laughs> you want me to write one up for you? Post it on rant. Then we can do it. You got it, or one minute. Um, I did it. Now he's not oh. showing up. That episode is titled Spend, by the way. Where, uh... Spend, yeah. Spend, yes, yes. Uh, you try to add him, because it's not okay. letting me for some reason. You got it. Just hit the button. You gotta want it. <laughs> you gotta want it. That's right. <laughs> Let's go Mets. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Cubbies. Sorry, man.